Good morning, Boker Tov. Welcome back, ladies to Living with Emuna. Ladies and gentlemen who are watching, I guess, online. Want to express our gratitude to our series sponsor, Dr. Zavi and Bella Morgan, in memory of Rabbi Dr. Brian Galbert, in memory of Bella's mother, Dr. Ellen Shanzer. We remain very grateful to the Morgans for sponsoring each and every week. This morning's shir is also sponsored by Kara and Dr. Ben Friedman, in memory of Kara's mother, Helen Cohen, on what would have been her 79th birthday. We uh, certainly remember Helen very well. Incredibly uh, dignified woman of great faith, tremendous amuna, and uh, had a huge impact on our community and on us, and we remember her today. And also dedicated for Chaya Esther Tila Basari Al-Tzipora, should have strength and uh, comfort, and Hashem should shower His love upon her. Okay, we are on Tiva Emuna. We're learning uh, Rav Gamliel Rabinovich, Tiva Emuna. All about uh, the importance of having Emuna, of living with Emuna, of living with faith. So we're on the bottom of page Ayin Aleph, page 71. Bottom of page Ayin Aleph. So a person who's achieved it, and we've spoken about this, we've spoken about all of this before, we just repeat ourselves each and every week, and yet you come back. The Rav Gamliel Rabinovich points out, Emunah is not something you accomplish, you achieve. Emunah is not something that you're finished with, you're done with. Emunah you don't put a checkbox next to. When you shook the lulav or you heard the shofar, you sat in the sukkah, you're done. But when you're working with Emunah, you're never finished. You never put a check, you're never done. You don't ever say or feel, I've accomplished Amuna. I have Amuna. What were the things? Oh, I had to buy the new thing. I had to get a dresser for my kid. I had to buy the new phone. Oh, I, I, I got Amuna. I'm good. Check. I picked up some Amuna. I was at the supermarket. Can't believe what it costs these days. I picked up some Amuna. Amuna you don't pick up. Amuna you don't buy. Amuna you don't order on Amazon. And Amuna you're never done with. You're never done with. You don't say, you know, I have it and, uh, and therefore I'm done. But rather, a person has to always be working, evolving, exercising the amuna muscle or putting on the amuna glasses, whatever metaphor or muscle we want to use, but a person always has to be working on that sense of amuna. But when we have amuna, there should be a foundation. When we wear those glasses or we get that LASIK surgery and we see Hashem in the world everywhere we turn, we feel His presence, we feel His love, we see everything as being ordained from above, nothing is random or chance or coincidence, but everything is by design, then we don't have to reawaken and reestablish and struggle with our amuna each time from the beginning. Each time we encounter either a conflict or a crisis of faith, or each time we encounter in our tefillah, in our prayer, we encounter Hashem, we shouldn't have to stop and start all over again. Oh yeah, Amen Yehishmerab. I forgot there's a great name and I want to sanctify it. Oh yeah, Shema, Kabbalah Samachu Shemaim. There's God and I have to accept the yoke of heaven upon myself. Oh yeah, there's Hashem and I have to stand before Him in tefillah and have an intimate rendezvous with Him and confide in Him. When a person feels this is life, you don't forget to live. So, meaning, breathing. Do you ever forget to breathe? When you realize that your life depends on breathing, we have a spontaneous, we've conditioned ourselves to breathe regularly. To breathe regularly. You can work on your breathing. I actually recently read a whole book on breath. This person, uh, 
met countless experts and practice and different ways that you breathe and through the nose, out the mouth, in the nose and out the nose, holding your breath, how long you can learn to hold your breath. Navy SEALs underwater can hold their breath four, five, six minutes at a time, longer periods, incredible amounts. There are ways you can learn to breathe better. An athlete, sleep apnea, improving your sleep, mindfulness and meditation. You can learn how to breathe better, but you don't have to ever every day go, okay, what do I have to do today? I have to remember to breathe. I have to remember shower, I have to remember to eat, I have to remember to... There are things that we know are the life force, the life source. We can't live without them and we don't need to remember to do them. And on that list says, Rav Gamliel should be Amuna. Wake up in the morning is not, I have to remember to have Amuna. it's that that is how I interpret and see and experience the entire world around me. That whatever is happening. You don't have to remember to eat. Many of us have to remember to stop eating. We don't have to remember to start eating. We have to remember, it's okay, you could stop now. You're full, you're done, you have enough. It's okay. So a person who gets to a point that they say, what is my duty, my purpose, my obligation, my responsibility? Why am I here? Not in the world. Why am I in my world? I woke up today in my world, and my world has whatever is going on in it with whoever is in it. My world is in this place at this time with these people. I have these strengths and these weaknesses, these assets, these liabilities. This is my total picture. This is my world. What's my obligation in it? Not what are my rights and entitlements, not what's coming to me, not what am I wake up and the world has to serve me. What am I meant to do with it? How do I make the world a better place? And, and what drives that question is that I'm here to serve him. What drives that question is, I only am alive because of his graciousness, his kindness, his love. I only have breath in my lungs. I only have a roof over my head. I only have whatever I have because of him. Why did he put me here and what does he want from me? Each day you don't have to wake up again and say, you know, Rav Gamliel gives the example of eating. We gave the example of breathing. But I'll give another example or two other examples. You don't wake up every day and say, just from, am I married or single? Oh, that's right. Let me remember I'm married today. That's a part of your identity, your core identity. It's who you are. Even more than that, because some people need to remember more that they're married and the decisions they make and how they spend their time and so on. You know, Tzvah says there's a minag. There's a minag that you get a chas on a watch. A zeger, you get him a watch. Why do you get a chas on a watch? Not everybody has this minag, but many have the minag. Yeah. The chasen, yeah. he becomes a chasen, he gets a watch. You know, becoming a bride or groom today is like, you know, the price is right. You like to win the lottery, you get just what gifts, a showcase, show that, you get everything. You know, this is the assumption, what you're getting, what you deserve, what you need. All kinds of 20-year-old uh, boys are walking around with nicer watches than their fathers and fathers-in-law combined. But anyway, <laughs> we'll leave that aside for a moment. We'll leave that aside for a moment. So Sfas says, why is the minag to get a young man a watch? Why? It's a beautiful Sfas Because the father-in-law is essentially saying to the son-in-law, he says, I want you to know, until now, your time was your own. You sat in the base medrash as late as you want. You hung out in the dormitory. You went out with the boys. You watched the game. You did what you want, when you want. You woke up when you want, which minion you wanted to go to. Until now, your time was your own. But I'm giving you my daughter. And your time is no longer your own. See this watch? Look at it. And have a time awareness and a time consciousness and a mindfulness. And know that even if you're doing something noble, like still sitting in the base medrash, my daughter will be sitting at home waiting for you to return. She made dinner, be on time. You told her what time you'd be back from night Seder, be on time. 
You told her you'd pick something up at the grocery store. Look at that watch and remember. So beautiful Sfas Emes. The reason we give a watch is remember you're married. You know, yesterday you were just another one of the Bachram hanging out in the base of in the dorm. You were with the boys. Look at your wrist. See that fancy expensive watch I had to take a mortgage for? And remember, and remember that my daughter's waiting for you at home. It's a beautiful Sfasemis on why there's a minag to get a watch. So some husbands, some wives can forget they're married. But I don't think anyone forgets they're a parent. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, maybe mothers or women excel at this more than men, you could be on vacation, you haven't pulled out of the driveway, and the wife said, we should check on the kids. Are the kids okay? You're like, we, we just said goodbye to them. We haven't pulled out of the driveway. Yes, but are they okay? Are they, do they have a plan? Will everything be all right? Can we really leave them? No matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, can you just grab me a tissue? No matter where you go, no matter what you're doing, you, uh, thank you. You know that you're a parent. You know that you're a parent. You don't have to wake up in the morning and say, yes, oh, that's right, I have children. Oh, how many? Who are they? What are their names? Where are they? No matter what you're distracted by, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, you're always a parent. And that's part of a core identity. It's part of a core consciousness. Those who are waiting and longing should be blessed with healthy children. Those who want to know that identity and that feeling should be rewarded with that. But that's part of your very core identity. So Rav Gamliel is saying, that's Amuna. Chever, that's what we're working on. That it's not that I have Amuna on Wednesday morning from 8.45 till whenever, and then from the rest of Wednesday until through Tuesday, I dive and I do all these things, but I forget to work on Amuna. It's that Amuna, it's like, I'm not a parent only during carpool. I'm a parent until they fall asleep at night. I'm a parent until I get out on vacation. I'm a parent, it's my identity, it's who I am. I'm married, that's my core identity, it's who I am. It's intertwined with my who I am. So similarly, emuna is intertwined with who I am. There's no moment in the day where I forget there's Hashem, so I made a decision that He would be dissatisfied or disappointed in. There's no moment in my day that I act selfishly and I only care about myself or my needs and I forget that I'm here to serve Him. Just like I can't forget I'm a parent or I'm a spouse, I can't forget I'm married, I'm in a relationship with Hashem. That's how core it needs to be. That's how obvious it needs to be. That's how much we need to wake up with that, with that sense. That's what we're trying to achieve. That's where we're trying to go. That's what we're trying to get to, is to remember that this is why, that this is what happened, that this is for a reason. And then it'll permeate our every day. We don't have to look for it and make it kick in when we're already in the crisis. Whether it's a minor crisis, my old phone had a problem, I got a new phone, I transferred everything over, I transferred WhatsApp, I noticed everything was missing, and then I realized that for whatever reason it hadn't backed up since March of 2020. So every picture, every video, every conversation, every everything. Now, that, that could be a lot of data, of information, of really family, beautiful things as a rabbi, conversations that were important to keep and to, and to have a record of. So I started to get anxious. And then I said, hey, dope, you teach the Amunashir. Like, <laughs> this is what was meant to be. So then I spent way too much time and figured it out and undid the old phone and was able to get it and back it up and move it over. And Baruch Hashem, I only lost three days of data, wow. which is more than I can, I'm, I'm more than okay with. But I want you to know genuinely and sincerely, Yechev will tell you, that even before I solved it and thought I had lost it, it's okay, this is what Hashem wants. That's the plan. It's frustrating, it's annoying. I'll have to rely on colleagues who were in the same conversation to find the thing that we spoke about three years ago. I'll have to rely on family if they still have the picture or video that I think I remember when we were somewhere together. But okay, that, okay, that's it. So if you wait until you're frustrated, you're anxious, you're angry, you're resentful, you're panicked, 
And then you're like, oh, let me work on emuna, which is when I get the phone call. You know, rabbis get the phone call when I'm going through a crisis catastrophe, rabbi, I need to meet with you. I don't make sense of this. Where is God? Why is this happening? How do I get through it? Where do I get the... Now, you could work on Amuna your whole life and some crises are so big that you still feel that way. I'm not judging at all anyone who struggles with faith, even if they've been working on faith their whole life. Halila, I'm not judging that whatsoever. But I'm saying, if you've never worked out on it at all, then you'll be in trouble. Then you'll be in trouble. There was a... I don't remember if I ever told you this story in this context. There was someone in our shul who had a massive heart attack and I went to the hospital to visit him. And I'm in the middle of visiting him and he says to me, you know, Rabbi, BRS the Kaabach minion saved my life. And I thought, at first I thought, it's so sweet, you know, the nigunim and Shlomo's sweetness and his love and the fact that he had a chevra community that he davened with and maybe they visited him. And that's so sweet that the Kaabach minion saved his life. That's so sweet. He said to me, no, no, you don't understand. He said, when I started going to the Kaabach minion, Karbach Minyan, everyone's hopping and bopping and dancing and clapping, and I couldn't keep up. I was winded. I was out of breath. But every Friday night, I wanted a piece of that. I wanted to dance in the circle. I wanted to bang on the bima. I wanted to know what it was like to get so lost in the davening. But I, I couldn't keep up. I was so out of shape. I was so winded that I started to work out. And because I started to work out, the doctor said, when I had the heart attack, if I was in the condition I had been in three months ago, I never would have survived. I would have died. So it's only because of the Kaabach minion that had got me for three months starting to work out that my heart was in a position that when I had the heart attack, that's the only reason that I survived. That's the only reason that I made it. So he said, the Kaabach minion saved my life. The happy clappy minion saved my life. So Rav Gamliel says, if you're waiting for the crisis, every one of us will have a roller coaster. And I give you a bracha, the biggest crisis should be that your WhatsApp didn't back up. That should be the biggest crisis in any of our lives. But there are real and significant and irreversible and devastating catastrophic crises that go on in people's lives. And if we wait for that moment, that confrontation, and we don't have a foundation of emuna, of faith, and we're first looking to find Hashem, we're going to be in big trouble. We may not survive. Our heart may not make it. Yechevet and I, uh, last night, participated, we had to record it, but participated. Oel had done a conversation on... Uh, Pregnancy loss, miscarriage, stillbirth, I told you about the last one we did a couple months ago. There were so many questions, there was a part two, there was a follow-up. So last night was the follow-up, was part two. And, and we were talking in part two last night about how important that is. In our own experience of, of the stillbirth all those years ago, the role that Emuna played in feeling that this was from above. They never found out why, even a chromosomal analysis and, and the anatomy, they never understood why it happened, which even though that was frustrating, but for us, that also gave chizuk because we couldn't explain it naturally. We had absolutely no choice but to find Hashem in it, to assume somehow it was His will. We don't know why, we don't wish it, we don't want it, but it was His will. So we're talking about the role of Amuna when you go through a difficult time, the role of Amuna and how you cannot survive. If you believe that you're just a victim of randomness, you're just a statistic anomaly, just somebody had to have it and you know, the wheel spun and it landed on you, that's when I don't know how you get through it. I don't know how anyone gets through anything unless they can feel there's something bigger and someone bigger and a bigger picture and a bigger reason and a bigger purpose. But if you wait to find him till that moment, you'll be in trouble. So in part one of this OA webinar, Yechevet made the point of how amazing her doctor was when we went through this and that people, when they find a doctor, should include in caring about the doctor's competency and skill set their bedside manner. You don't hope to ever need them when you'll be in a crisis, 
but you know, you don't only want somebody, well, they're brilliant and they're an expert and they have five rating stars online. And even though they have no bedside manner, they're cold as ice, they're harsh and insensitive, but what do I care? I'll never need that. I just need them to read the x-ray or give me the lab report. You, know, you don't know when you may need them. Find someone that if you would need them, that's who you'd want in the war room with you. She made that point in part one. In part two, we made the point with Emuna. And that's what Rav Gamliel is saying here. You can't wait to be ma'orer and to be machazik. You can't wait to discover and to awaken and to strengthen your amuna when you'll need it. You can't wait till when you'll need it. It'll, it'll be too late. If a person is out of shape and they have a massive heart attack, you can't just start to get in shape then. Your heart may not survive depending on how big a shock the heart receives. And similarly spiritually, our spiritual heart gets shocked. It gets trauma in this world. And we need to be in spiritual shape so that if or when we experience that trauma, we'll be able to endure it. We'll be able to get through it. Okay, let's continue. Page I am base. Gama Torah Vamitzos, Shanu Mekaimim, Hey Matana Mimena Yizbarach. Did I mention last time the hotspot analogy? Wi Fi and hotspot? I don't think I mentioned it last time. So, so, what happens if you're struggling? I think that's where we left off. As I kept saying, I'm going to talk about it. What happens if you're struggling? You're not there. So you say, it's not a matter of I have amuna, so I won't have to awaken, arouse it, I won't have to strengthen it. But you say, I'm struggling, I come to the amuna shir, I read the amuna books, I signed up for amuna, what's happened, amuna, and amuna emails, and amuna newsletters, and still, I, I'm just not feeling him. So what do you do then? What do you do then? I, I don't remember if I mentioned it, you'll excuse me if I did, but you don't remember either, so it's fine. <laughs> So, if you're ever in a place that has no, you have no internet connection, but there's someone who does, what do you do? You say, but I want to feel connected. I want to be connected. I need to download and upload and text and connect. I need access. I need to be connected. But what do you do? You've had that. Go back to the analogy, you're away with your family and your kids are panicked. I have no bars. Anyone have bars? Does anyone have connection? I have no connection. Anyone have connection? You're on AT&T. You're on Sprint. It was connection. You're on T-Mobile. And then one person, yeah, I have connection. I have good connection. What does everybody say to that person? Turn your phone into a hotspot. What's a hotspot? Any of you know what a hotspot is? You can make your phone a hotspot that other people can connect to your phone and connect to the internet through your phone. Your phone becomes a router. Your phone becomes a modem. You could turn your phone into a hotspot so others can connect through your, through your phone. So people don't have a connection, but they desperately want to be connected, and they're trying, but they don't. If you've ever been to a national park, you've ever been to a uh, beautiful, uh, exotic location, you'll see the people, instead of enjoying their hike, they're like standing on the edge of a cliff or on top of a mountain, and they're holding the phone in the air. I got half a bar. I got half a bar. It's like, someone quick, check the stock market. What's it doing today? Everybody's panicked because they're not connected. Then one person has connection. Turn it into a hotspot. Turn it into, give me a password. Turn it into a hotspot. Let me connect through you. Let me connect through you. So sometimes with Amuna, we're struggling to connect. We're struggling. We don't have a bar or two. We don't have half a bar. We have no connection. No connection. And by the way, it just occurred to me. You know what it says on my phone when I have no connection? SOS. Does that come up on the top of your phone with no connection? SOS? Because if you have no connection, you're, you're SOS. It's an SOS. 
It's, it's an emergency situation when you have no connection. Not when you have no connection with your phone, when you have no connection with Hashem. It's an SOS situation. Anyway, so if you have no connection, spiritually you have no connection with someone, find somebody who's connected. Find somebody. Find a survivor, find somebody who has tremendous amuna, find somebody who lives with faith, and use them as a hotspot. Connect to them, attach yourself to them. Ask them why they feel this way, how this way feels. Just connect to their energy. They'll lift you with their energy. You'll connect, they'll become your hotspot through their energy. Find that person, hang out with that person, talk to that person, confide in that person. Connect through their energy, through their hotspot. Okay, Gama Torah the Torah and the mitzvahs that we fulfill that Hashem gives us are a gift from above. Many people mistakenly go through life thinking, we've done a generous good thing for Hashem. I did mitzvahs for it. You go happy? You happy? I woke up early, I daven shachar. You happy? I said tehillim. You happy? I sat in the sukkah, it was hot as anything. You happy? I was careful to only eat kosher. I did it for you. I took it for the team. I self-sacrificed. I gave in for you, I gave in for you. But it's a mistake. It's a huge mistake. Kurdish Baruch says, you think you're doing something, you think you're doing a favor for me? That's like the child who says, I did the math homework, you happy? I finished, I'm done. You happy? I'm done with math. I did it for you, I did the math homework. You happy? I finished the report. Say, honey, sweetie, you didn't do that for me. You did that for you so you could add two numbers together. You did that for you, so you'll become an adult and mature. Finished Chazor and Gemara, I finished reviewing the Mishnah for the test. You happy? I studied for the test. Sweetie, you didn't clean your room for me. You didn't brush your teeth for me. You didn't study the math for me. You did it for you. When I'm after you, and I child, I'm holding you accountable, and you responsible, and I'm supervising you, and I'm telling you what's expected of you, it's not for me. You're not doing a favor for me. It's for you. It's for you. So the Bonashim looks down and he says, 613 things I have that will enhance your life, that will enrich your life, that will make your life incredible, that will give you the highest speed connection to me. They're not for me, Hashem says, they're for you. So when you put the check next to them, don't think you did me a favor. You didn't do it for me. You did it to enhance your life. So every decision, every behavior, everything we do every day, we have to ask ourselves, what does Hashem want? What will give Hashem nachas in this moment? What will give Hashem nachas? How will I get close to Him through this decision? Where should we go on vacation? Where should my children go for school? Who should we have the Shabbos for a meal? How should I spend the next hour? I have some free time. What should I watch? Should I watch? Listen to. I mean, the car. every decision. Human beings are decision-making animals. We make an incredible number of decisions every single day more than ever, because the choices are more than ever, just which salad dressing to get at the supermarket can be exhausting. We have, we suffer from psychologists say today, something called decision fatigue, which didn't exist in antiquity. How many decisions did you have to make? Tevya on the farm, he fed the goats and the cows. What, what decisions did he have to make? Should I get the spicy tuna sushi or the poke bowl, or should I stop and get the shawarma, like, which decision did he have to make? And he went to, uh, no, what's the, what's the street down uh, south that has 400 restaurants on one street here? In Surfside? You can have decision fatigue. You go to that, go out to, 
but maybe we should go there. But I heard that one. What if we're at the wrong one? We need to try this one. What if, just go home. Let's just go home and eat Cheerios and call it a day. Too exhausting, too much stress, too much doubt, too much regret. So people suffer from exhaustion, from uh, decision fatigue today because we have too many decisions to make in any day. But the decision should all be informed and inspired by the question, what does Hashem want? What will give Hashem nachas? I don't live for me, I live for Him. I'm here on assignment. I'm here on a mission. What does He want from me? Now He wants it to be a balanced mission. Even when you're here on assignment and here on a mission, He wants you to sleep and eat and relax. He wants you to play mahjong or tennis or golf. He wants you to enjoy recreation. You know the etymology of the word recreation? Is to recreate. We need to recreate ourselves. We need recreation in our lives. We need to have fun and we need to laugh and we need to experience joy. We need to have downtime and turn off those decisions and just be, just be. I enjoy tennis. You know why tennis, you know why I enjoy tennis? Because when you're in the middle of a point, the only thing you're thinking about is the ball coming back to you, what you'll do with it. You can't be thinking about the to-do list or the emails or who you have to call, or what you have to visit or what decision with your children or what. All the decisions are put on hold because all you could think about, or you'll lose the point, don't bother playing if you're not gonna win. That's not the best attitude, that's my attitude. Sorry. If you're not gonna try to win, if you're not gonna try to win, but, but that's all, you're lost in that moment. So we should live the same in life, is there's only one variable that matters. What will give Hashem nachas? Where does He want me to go? What does He want me to be doing? What, what, is, what am I meant to be doing in this moment? That's the decision. Not what will make me happy and give me joy and make me satisfied. We're living in the most prosperous time ever and we're living in the most depressed, unhappy, anxious time ever. Because the prosperity is not being used to serve Him. People are assuming and wanting the prosperity to serve themselves. And when you live for yourself, you end up depressed, anxious, and unhappy. And when you live to give and do and improve the world for others, you find the best and the greatest happiness. So each decision is, what does he want me to do? And say for Yeshua, Moshe Rabbeinu is referred to, he's called Moshe, my loyal servant. What is the Maila? Why is that a great praise? Moshe Avdi, Moshe, my loyal slave, Moshe, my loyal servant. What does that mean? An Eved, a servant, defines their identity with their master. Their whole identity is intertwined with serving and satisfying and meeting the needs and being responsive to their master. That is the Eved. To be an Eved is to be submissive, to be subservient, is to surrender to one's master. That's what it means to be an Eved. Moshe is Moshe Avdi, because Moshe had a wife and he had children, and Moshe had a life, but everything in his life was informed and inspired, every decision was made by answering the question, what does Hashem want from me in this moment? What does He want from me? Not, oh, there's Hashem at Shacharis, later in the day I'll encounter Him at Mincha, maybe I also say Marev, but in between, it's all what I want. What do I want for lunch? Where do I want to go? What do I want to watch? How do I want to live? What do I want to buy? Where do I want to go on vacation? What do I want? It's not that we see Hashem at certain points in our day and in between, it's all about us. It's that Hashem is that background. He's the ambiance. He's the behind the scenes. He's there. He's that cloud in the positive sense over our entire day. So 
He's with us. He's in the car. Okay, now we're going to this. What'd you think? How'd that go, Hashem? Now we're off to the next thing. Oh, our adventure, Hashem. You in? You strap? You put your seatbelt on? Let's go. Let's go to the next thing. He's there all the time. He's by our side. Before each difficult conversation and after, with each pleasant, fun thing that we're grateful for, we say thank you to him. Every difficult situation, he's there. He's by our side. He's in our lives. And therefore, he's part of the consciousness of every decision that we make. That's what it means. Ein l'shem rotzon atzmi. Moshe Rabbeinu did not make any self-centered decision. It was never about him. Now, again, I want to be clear. We shouldn't feel guilty or beat ourselves up or try to live such a standard that we never enjoy. Can't ever take a day off. When I read the Yud Shvat, significant day on the Chabad calendar. So when I read the biographies of the Rebbe, one of the biographies mentioned, maybe all of them did, the Rebbe never took a day off. From the day that he ascended to be the Rebbe, he never took one day off. Not a day off, not one day, not one day. So I told one of the authors of the biographies, the biography was fantastic, it was perfect, I enjoyed it, I loved it, except that sentence. I don't think you should have included it. And the reason I told him I don't think you should have included it is because that makes each of us then carry a standard or ask ourselves, should I feel guilty? Do I have to feel bad I need a day off? Do I have to feel bad I need an hour off? Do I have to feel guilty or beat myself up or be ashamed that I'm human? He was superhuman. He was out of the ordinary. He was extraordinary. By the way, the Rebbe said, every day the Rebbe had tea with his wife. And the Rebbe said, that tea with his wife daily was as significant, as meaningful, and as important to him that he wouldn't miss as putting tefillin on every day. Which is a very beautiful image because we know what tefillin means to the Rebbe. Tefillin, aside from being one of the Tariq mitzvos, we know what tefillin mean, meant to the Rebbe. And he described that moment, that time. So he never took a day off, but he needed to recharge his batteries and recreate by spending time with his Rebetzin. That tea with his Rebetzin was a lifeline for him every day, no less significant to him than putting on tefillin, than putting on tefillin, which is very beautiful. But we need a day off. So should we feel guilty or ashamed if we need a day off? Do we feel bad if we need a day off? We shouldn't feel guilty or ashamed that we need a day off. We shouldn't feel guilty or ashamed that we need a day off. We're only human. It's okay. We're only human. We're only human. But why do we need a day off? Is it that we're regularly taking days off once in a while we spend a day on for Him? Or is it that our lives are entirely on for Him? And when we take the day off, it's so that we could come back bigger and better than ever for Him. There's nothing wrong with needing time off. There's nothing wrong with... It's all right. Someone's really trying to get through. Somebody will help. Somebody will help. It's all right. It's what's meant to be. It's from above. Turn it off. It's from above. It's from Hashem. So, we see this Avram Avinu. When the Rebbeinu Shalom comes and tells Yitzchak, tells Avram, you need to slaughter. You need to shecht your son. Avram Avinu doesn't say, what do you mean? How could you ask? How dare you? It can't be. No, I don't want to. I'm not going to. I need to think about it. That's what's asked of me in this moment. That's what I need to be doing. This is my charge and my mission. This is the test I need to rise to. And this is what I need to do. I, Avram Avinu, just spent his entire life, his entire career, getting up on a soapbox, taking out billboards, taking out ads on TV, preaching and proselytizing against killing your own child. And now Hashem is asking him to do exactly what he's been telling others not to do. In every moment we have to ask ourselves, if what's asked of me in this moment is joyous and fun and fantastic and great news, oh, should be endlessly grateful to Hashem. Thank you, Hashem. 
If what's asked of us in this moment is to rise to an occasion of challenge and difficulty, even of loss of grief, I don't know why, and I'm not happy, and I'm gonna protest and object, and I got some big questions for you one day when I get upstairs, but if this is my mission right now, then this is what I have to do. I have to rise to this moment. I have no other choice. This is my moment. This is my mission. I'll give you a little preview. Yechavid's writing an article right now. Don't give the preview. Don't give it away. It's a great article. You'll have to wait. It's her article, not mine. I'm not entitled to give you the preview. But anyway, that same amuna carries us through the good times and the bad times. And it needs to animate the background of everything going on. We shouldn't forget him when something happen, happy happens. You don't leave him out when the joyous thing occurs. The tale has to be said with the same passion, the same enthusiasm, the same fervor, when the thing worked out and you're saying thank you, as it did when we have the Talem gathering, the emergency Talem, or the extra Talem, or the Talem WhatsApp. I've never seen a Talem WhatsApp group for, for gratitude. The Talem WhatsApp groups where people are rotating and they take on and they say and they finish Talem over and over and over again, when there's a crisis, when there's bad news, when something went wrong. I'm not, maybe you have seen a Talem WhatsApp group, something went right. Hey, who wants to be in a Talem WhatsApp group? It turned out the person recovered, turned out the person was found, Turns out the person's all right. Turns out the person got engaged, got married. Turns out the person had a baby. Who wants to be part of a Tehillim WhatsApp group to say thank you? Most people would be like, I, no, I don't have time. I'm in the other Tehillim WhatsApp groups. We need, to, we need to be just as enthusiastic in our thank yous as we are in our desperate pleas and our cries for help. They have to go together. They have to be equal. Amuna needs to carry us in both directions and at both times. And at both, There's no atheist in the foxhole. Everybody's crying out and screaming to him, when they think there's no one else and no way out other than him. But how about when it works out? How about when something amazing happens? Do we stop and do we say thank you with the same level of, of further and excitement? To our great sorrow and sadness, we're so far away from reaching this level. To reach this level where every day, every second, every decision, before you press send on every email, Will Hashem be proud of this email? Send. Is Hashem proud of this post on social media? Post. Is Hashem proud of this text message I've written back? Text. Is Hashem proud of the phone call I'm about to make? Dial. Is Hashem proud of where I'm about to go? Drive. That's the level. That's the level we're trying to reach, is that He's part of it all. He's behind the background of it all. Now, let's not pretend that we don't have this ever. We do a little bit, sometimes healthy, sometimes unhealthy, again in marriage. There are people who say, I can't go there. If my wife, if my husband found out, I can't buy that thing, they would be very unhappy. Don't, if they knew I said, don't, I can't say this because they wouldn't want me to say this or repeat this, like the article they're about to write. They wouldn't want me to... The notion that we have a consciousness of someone that we care about and that therefore informs the decisions that we make, we have. We have. In a healthy and in a good marriage, there's a relationship with someone that their opinion and wanting them to be happy is a part of all the decisions that we make. So we already have this precedent. We already have the precedent. We have the example. We're already living in that way. And what Amun is asking us to do is to live it with him too. To live with that, Hashem, we're in a relationship. I care about you and I love you. And I'm indebted to you and I'm grateful to you. And I feel your love all the time. And because of that, I don't want to make decisions other than to think about you. Would this make you happy? Would this make you proud? Would this give you nachas? It's an incredibly high level. Rav Gamliel Rabbanovich is a tzaddik. Tzaddik Yisod Olam. 
one of the tzaddikim of our door, of our generation. And he's writing in his Teva that this is a very difficult level. Halavai Aishagya, he's writing it. So be comforted to know this is a very high level. Don't beat yourself up or feel bad or ashamed or guilty or not bother trying because you say this is never a level I can get to. But this is our aspiration. This is our goal. This is what we want to achieve to get to that place where the consciousness and the mindfulness that we're in a relationship with Hashem is just as real and palpable and tangible as the fact that I'm married or I'm a parent, I have children. That consideration of Hashem's opinion and wanting to give Him nachas and make Him happy is as important to me in my decisions and my speech and my behavior as it is an awareness that I, I want my wife or husband to be happy. I wouldn't want to disappoint them. Gamliel is, is bemoaning that this is a, a plague, an epidemic in our time of Yidden, of Jews who are going through the motions of Yiddishkeit, who are doing everything right on the outside. All that's missing, to quote Rav Weinberger from the other night, all that's missing is themselves. They're doing everything. Davin check, Dafyomi check, Chesed check, Tehillim group check, Mitzvahs check, 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 check. They have done everything. All that's missing is themselves. All that's missing is you. If you didn't listen yet, you should listen to Rav Weinberger from the other night. When he comes, the energy in that room, the music, the dancing, his words, it, it, it carries me an entire year. I'm already waiting for next year's Fabrengen with Rav Weinberger. Next year's Tish, next year's time with him that we're together. It's unbelievable. If you weren't there, you should come next year. But it's not too late. You could still watch it. And his words, and he applied it both to our relationship with Hashem, but then he applied it also with our families. He told an unbelievable story of his father. And his father and, uh, went viral since then. That clip has probably been sent, but it's been everywhere. It's worthwhile watching the entire thing. It's worthwhile watching that story and that clip. But that's... That's what he spoke about, nochach, nochach, to be present, to be there, to be invested. Hillel, imanikan kolkan. not just I'm here, but all of me is here. Not I'm here, but I'm on my phone scrolling or posting or texting or looking. I'm here, v'hakolkan, all of me is here with you. I'm nochach, I'm fully present, I'm fully opposite, I'm fully here, I'm with you, I'm with you. My brother-in-law Benjamin suggested, maybe that's what it means, v'yetar yitzchak nochach ishto. When Yitzchak was davening for Rivka, when they didn't have a child, what he was telling Rivka is, I'm not worried about me. Hashem promised Yitzchak he's going to have children. Yitzchak's good to go, because Hashem told Yitzchak through him he's going to be fine. But Rivka's panicked. She's struggling with fertility. So Yitzchak is nochach. He says, I'm here. I'm nochach. I'm not distracted. I'm not going anywhere. I'm fully here. I'm fully invested. You have all of me. You have all of me. He's l'nochach ishto. He was nochach in that moment. To be nochach. To be hineni, Hashem calls Moshe, hineni, nochach, imanikan, hakolkan. So all that's missing, you have everything. All that's missing is you. It's the spouse who on the anniversary, the spouse, here's a card, here's flowers, here's chocolates, here's a gift, here's jewelry. I wrote on Facebook how amazing you are. It's all, I've done everything. The spouse, and right on the way out the door to hang out with the buddies, or totally emotionally detached and feeling no affection or connection, Check, 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 check. I gave you everything you're supposed to give on an anniversary. I remembered it was the anniversary. I remembered. I gave you everything. Here's a card, here's chocolate, here's flowers. I posted, I told the whole world you're the greatest spouse ever. Check, 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 check. I did everything. And the wife says, 
thank you. You gave me everything except the most important thing. You didn't give me you. You didn't give me you. So the Rebona Shalom says, check, check, check. It's the check Yiddishkeit. The Yiddishkeit of check marks. Check, check, check. But did you give me you? You. Are you nochach? Are you fully present? Are you there? Are you invested? You. Are you you? Shochach and the Gamre Miyakosh Baruch We forget. We tend to forget him. Because Hashem says, I understand. You remembered me when you lit the candles. You remembered me when you said the shacharis of the Tehillim. But did you remember me when you were at the supermarket and you saw the price of mayonnaise? Did you remember me? Did you remember me when you got stuck in traffic? Did you remember me when you lost it and your WhatsApp was wiped out? Did you remember me when the more difficult circumstances? Were you with me? Was I nochach? Was I in the room? Was I in the car? Was I in the, in the boardroom, operating room, negotiating room? Kirsch Baruch says, I want to be there. I want to be in a relationship. And just like you won't do or say the things that you know the person you cares about would be disappointed in if you did or said, don't do or say the things because if you care about me that I'd be disappointed in either. The great Chavetz Chaim once wanted to make a great convention and assembly in order to strengthen people on religion. And he asked the Geir, the Geir Rebbe, the great Imre Emes, he asked the Geir Rebbe to come. The Admor, the Rebbe, Amar lo sheish lo tam kamus, shemach mazeh inu yachol l'shtatev pa'asifa. He had a reason he couldn't participate. Amar lo chavetz chaim, eni yodeh satam akamas shelo, ulam roi sheyasa cheshbon haimor la'anos tam zeh lefnei bezden shamala. Vim lamala zelo yizkabel, hershagam kam einzem yizkabel. The only one who could give the Emir Emes Musr is the Chavetz Chaim. But the Chavetz Chaim turned to the Emir Emes when he told him the reason he couldn't be there and he said, I don't know your reason. And I don't know if it's legitimate. But all I ask you is to wonder and ask yourself, will the Bezdin Shalmala, upstairs will they find it legitimate? If you think upstairs they'll accept your excuse as legitimate, it's good by me. But if upstairs, when we're making an Asifa to strengthen the Jewish people, religion, faith, your excuse why you can't make it, if it won't pass mustard upstairs, then it's not good down here. When the Emirates with the Gareb heard that, he immediately put on his coat and he ran out to go attend and participate in the in the Asifa. In the Asifa. That's what now Rev Gamliel is quick to add in the bracket. What do you think? The Imre Emes wanted to sip pina colada by the poolside under the under the palm trees in Poland? And that's where the Imre Emes was? Ger? No. Imre Emes was not looking for an excuse. He was busy playing Wordle so he couldn't go strengthen, uh, couldn't go be machazik the das. That is not why the Imre Emes wasn't going. He had a legitimate excuse. But sometimes we can rationalize and make an excuse that's legitimate more legitimate than it is. Maybe the thing that was legitimate that he had to do, but he could have done both. Maybe he could have handed it off and someone else can do. When you consider, when the cheshbon, when the way that we calculate when the metric we use to calculate what we should do is not what feels good for us, but what would make him proud, we'll come to different conclusions. So that's the tool, that's the instrument that we have to use. The tool and the instrument to measure our lives is not what do I want, what do I need, what will make me happy in this moment, but what can I do for him? Not for him that I'm sacrificing for him, but what would give him pride? Any more than, right, if I don't say that thing or go that place or buy that thing because it wouldn't make my wife happy, I'm not, well, I'm sacrificing for her. It's that I'm in a relationship and I care about the other person and the relationship is enriched and enhanced when I care about what the other person wants. That's why I'm doing it. 
The same is true with Hashem. I love Him. I know He loves me. I'm in a relationship and I care. And because I care, it's part of the cheshben of what He wants from me in that moment. We'll pick up a Mirz Hashem next time. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.